Welcome back to Cooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people. This is Jess. Higleyamotadem. Yaheter Mikey. Did you practice that? I wrote it down phonetically. That's really embarrassing. Uh, we are watching. <laughs> All right, so we just finished Fire Walk with me last week, and now we're doing Twin Peaks The Missing Pieces, which is less of a movie and more of a glorified bonus features. I mean, it is. It's. A collection of deleted and extended scenes that he, he being David Lynch, all deleted and extended scenes from Firewalk with Me that he, David Lynch, edited and put together mm-hmm. to, to be like, it's certainly not linear, right. but it's some semblance of a storyline. Not storyline because there isn't one, but no, yeah. Of, of of a flow that it doesn't seem totally arbitrary. It doesn't seem like and there's no like introductions of like now this scene is where we would have done right. like it's not any it's not like a behind the scenes like that. Right. Um yeah, so there are looks like thirty two ish little kind of vignettes, I guess. They're a few minutes each for the most part. So yeah, they're scenes. Shorter. Yeah. Um so yeah, they slot into Firewalk with me, but not. But this doesn't necessarily make up a new narrative. So this right. is yeah, and it it you have to know Firewalk with me fairly well mm-hmm. for this to be of any value. Sure, because there's several scenes where you're, where oh this is interesting. I know where in the narrative this plays, but if you don't know that, mm-hmm. there's several scenes that are like. What is this? Why is this here? Like, yeah, and some of them matter more or less about like where they are because there's a couple scenes that it's just you know we were talking about like performances are really great and we get to see more of X person who we don't normally get to see. Yeah. Um. So do you want to before I dive into the little vignettes? Do you want to kind of give an overall like look at how this came to be, or do you know? I mean, it was basically. I mean the the assembly cut of Firewalk with me was roughly like which is the assembly cut is like the the first okay let's put everything we have in order of where we want it for the mm-hmm. most part then we'll go in and start making tweaks and things like that and that was four and a half hours or something like that um, and so as they started going through and cutting and cutting and cutting they ended up with Firewalk with me as we have it but then there's an hour and a half or more worth of stuff that Mm -hmm. Lynch really liked Mm -hmm. and loved and wanted to use and wanted it to be part of that um, Fire Walking With Me release, but couldn't. So I think it was just burrowing in the back of his brain for a long time. And in, what is it, 13 or 14, something like that, that this came out? Uh, 2014. Okay. So, so um, yeah. It premiered as a film feature at the Vista Theater in LA with crew and cast members attending. Yeah. So it was July 2014. Yeah. So, you know, a couple of years before that is probably when he started playing with this stuff, like put it all together and, mm-hmm. you know, put it out the door. And obviously it didn't get theatrical release or anything like that because right. it wouldn't make any goddamn right. sense. Somehow less than Firewalk. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, so it was originally. Released as part of the Twin Peaks, the entire mystery. Mm-hmm. It's included in the Criterion Collection release of Fire Walk mm-hmm. With Me and the Blu-ray release of Twin Peaks from Z to A. How many of those versions do you own? All of them. Yeah. Yeah, you do. We we watched the Criterion one, sure. for what it's worth. It did feel fancier. <laughs> 
Um, okay, so you ready to jump in? Uh, sure. <clears throat> so the first one is called Desmond's M.O. Agent Sam Stanley and Agent Chester Desmond exit the morgue after performing the autopsy and comment on how it's already nighttime. Gesundheit, Daddy. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, <laughs> they're not all I, deep. <laughs> here's a bit. This might be kind of fun. I'm just thinking of this now. I say after every vignette, mm-hmm. you and I vote, would this have made Firewalk with me better or no? I obviously we, love that. Three three options. Three okay. options. Would have made Firewalk with me better. Uh-huh. Would have made Firewalk with me worse. Or wouldn't have made any difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I am teetering between make it worse and wouldn't have made a difference. And the reason I say that is because I feel like the Sam Stanley and Chet Desmond stuff is longer than it needs to be I in the context I of the movie. I was going to say it would make it worse for virtually the exact same reason. Not that I think that that stuff is too long. I think that stuff is exactly yeah. the right amount of time. Mm-hmm. It's a two and a half hour movie and that's a half an hour of mm-hmm. it. For the most part, and I love that it's like this like appetizer for sure. the movie almost. And yeah. if, if that goes any longer, I, I think it's a detriment. And so, and this didn't really enlighten us on much of anything. No. Um, next is Say Hello to Jack. Agent Stanley and Agent Desmond talk to Jack, the owner of Pat's Diner, about Teresa Banks. Jack directs them to Irene, who is Teresa's supervisor. Now, in my opinion... It would have made no difference because I do not remember this. This is the little, like, they're in that concrete-looking room. The guy's fixing the light bulb, and so it's flickering. Oh, God, he loves flickering stuff, huh? Oh, yeah. Huh? But, and this scene is really cool. I like the dynamic of it. Mm-hmm. I would say wouldn't have made much of a difference. It's not long enough to extend that opening mm-hmm. vignette any longer, but I think... I think this is a really just interesting look, and it it, it really sets the tone for what you're going to see in season three. Mm-hmm. It all matches this kind of. Yeah, element. I actually there were a few moments that mm, this uh, this that felt very very season three to me. Oh, there's there's like there's clearly several things that he wanted to use and couldn't, so he put them in season three. Yeah, like there's direct lines of you know Mm -hmm. we live inside a dream and is it future is it past Mm -hmm. there's several sequences like that and 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 lines of dialogue that are like this is playing around in my head and i want to use it i started it with firewalk and they didn't get to use it oh but now i'm gonna make this making missing pieces refresh that in my mind now i want to put this all in season three sure i think the what i love about the missing pieces is that the missing pieces is very much why we have season three, I think. Mm-mm. It was him like, I missed some of these characters and went back in to play with it and was like, fuck, let's make season, let's make a new season of this. Yeah. There's stuff I want to do. Yeah. And I think this was, him working on this was probably a, either a big part of why we have season three or wanting to go back and do season three is why we got missing pieces. Mm. Like, I think to, they both make sense. Yeah, it's... Because it's right around, right, you know, a few years before we got it, they clearly Yeah, if it premiered in 2014, he ostensibly was working on it for right. a year or so before that. Yeah. Um, do you know when they were filming season three? I mean, it was supposed to be released in 2015 initially. Mm. So probably he's already working on it at this point. 
Yeah. I imagine it took some time. Sure. Um, okay. So say hello to Jack. Thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs neutral. Is neutral. That I'd go neutral on yeah. that one. Um, good morning, Irene. Walking out of the diner as the sun rises, the FBI agents say good morning to Irene, refer- referencing Jack's discouragement of saying good night, Irene. Yeah, they also mentioned that we're going to go watch the sunrise over Fat Trout Trailer Park. Mm-hmm. And I like that line about, are you talking in code? And he's like, no, I mean that for exactly what it is. But also, like, the sun is up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, like, it's, I mean, maybe they would have tweaked that color grading a little bit sure. to make it look a little bit more like the sun is coming up mm-hmm. but it, it it looks like that's like 9 a.m yeah <laughs> like, yeah yeah. i do kind of like how they're this whole these whole couple scenes are just sort of fuck around with time in a way that like i don't think david lynch cares about time right it feels like a distraction to him so like when they come out and it's dark it's like it's dark now i guess well, it's funny that it's like and it's the same thing within fire walk with me but it seems like he's trying to oh people need this to be placed in time how long is this morning that they're doing all this how long is this stuff taking mm-hmm. but then gives you examples and you're like wait those examples don't make sense <laughs> like, like, like oh you, you want me to tell you what time it is it's this time but wait it can't be well shut up it is you know what I mean like it's just a weird yeah yeah absolutely um okay Next one is, this one's coming from Jay Edgar. This is the fight scene. The uh, Sheriff Cable of Deer Meadow, um, quote, takes it outside with Chet Desmond for Teresa Banks' body. Cable shows off his strength, bending a strand of rebar. Strand of rebar? Does it come in strands? I don't know what you would call it. A thing of rebar. Piece? Pipe? No. missing piece? No, shut up. Rebar? Um, I remember, I, I, I wish I knew where to place it because I was thinking about this. I think it was Sabrina Sutherland was telling the story somewhere. Honestly, shit. Maybe maybe it was when we were on that walk with her through Alali State Park at the fest. Could be. But I feel like it, it was a story that was maybe it was written in a book somewhere. But there was some story where like they were supposed to get this prop rebar in and they never got it. And so they had a bunch of like grips working on trying to figure out how to try to bend it (laughs) like so that they could do this scene and like swap it out or something but and then they finally got i i'm doing a terrible job of telling the story but there's some story behind them not having that rebar for that sequence interesting and i wish i could i don't remember it I do not remember that. But I like right where we were walking when we were having that conversation with her is, is right outside where that scene took place. So it could just be honestly that she was telling our group that story. <sighs> yeah. I mean, that sounds and right. And that's why I can't figure out where I saw it or read it or whatever. Sure. But if anyone saw it in an interview clip or read it in a book or something that I'm not remembering, let me know. I'd like to remember what that actual story was. Um, Riveting media we're mm, delivering mm, here. Mm, There's mm, a story mm. about that somewhere. Somebody, please tell it to me so we can read it back. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so Desmond completely pummels the sheriff, who finishes off the uh, and Desmond finishes off the fight by bending his own strand of rebar. The deputy and the secretary abandon the scene in fright. Um, I liked this 
okay. I thought the fight scene was 45 minutes too yeah, long. Yeah, it's really long. Like, it just felt like... like I don't love this scene. In about 30 seconds, genuinely at least 30 seconds of them is just circling each other. Yeah. And just People looking at each other. People love this scene. I, I think that the only things I liked about this scene that I would have liked to have kept those elements is you get a clear idea of who that deputy is. Mm-hmm. Because when he comes back in Firewalk with me to do the drug deal with Bobby, mm-hmm. first time or two that I saw Firewalk with me, didn't even realize that was the same guy. Oh, sure. From Deer Meadow. You get a clearer view of him. You've established him as second in a second scene. I think then when you see him come back, you actually know who he is. Sure. And I think that would have been beneficial. Sure. Um, I like that it it seems like a very realistic fight. Yeah. And not like all these superhero movies that you watch where they have like these dynamic moves where like it but like all, but, someone who knows how to fight, this is how people fight. Yeah, I mean also though like they're both cops. So uh, like it feels like they should be better fighters than that. They just like looked like a couple of old drunk dudes circling each other. I don't know. But I think that's what actual fighting is. Yeah, I guess I've never cuz cuz also like uh um, Desmond is fighting in a way that incorporate. It seems to incorporate self-defense training. He's not the aggr- he's oh, the sure. dominant force, but he's not the aggressor. So he's holding back, you know, fists up, ready to fight, but isn't going to go after him. And I think the, the other guy just keep, like like every punch Desmond lands. Like, are you done yet? Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna throw one again. Are yeah. You done yet? He keeps giving him the out. Right. Because he doesn't want to be doing like. Right. And I think there's a little bit of that, and I think that's kind of a realistic fight. Mm-hmm. That said, it is incredibly long, and I feel like if long. you were to watch the assembly cut of whatever the four and a half hours is or whatever of this movie, and watch the whole thing through, and said, "Okay, where do we start cutting?" Absolutely, hands down, first cut is in this scene. Yeah. Whether you cut it out entirely like they did or at least shrink it down. Yeah. This scene needs to be cut. Right. I think, And I think of all the missing pieces, this is the only one that stands out to me as being like, yeah, cut it. Mm-hmm. Oh, see, my, I would say the next one is the standout for Which me. Which one was that? The Cooper and Diane scene. Oh. So, um, so... This is technically Cooper and Diane. We neither see nor hear her, but he's standing in the doorway's office talking to Diane, who is simply not there. There's no actors standing in for her or anything. Um, Diane has challenged him to figure out what she changed about the room. After thinking about it, Cooper figures out she moved the clock a few inches from its original position. The part that really... This did not feel like the Cooper I knew. Because at one point he refers to himself as the dashing Dale Cooper or the dashing Detective Mm -hmm. Cooper. And, like, that's not what we've seen him to be. He's Mm -hmm. not a self-described dashing. Like, I think he's dashing, but he would – I think he is very practical and, like, being dashing is just part of the job. Mm -hmm. What – there's things about this scene, though, that intrigue me. And and what I'm mostly curious about and how I think it could – really enhance Firewalk with me is depending on where it goes. Okay. If this is in this somewhere in this mix of when Cooper's potentially dreaming stuff, we 
still don't know if Diane is real. Yeah. Like, that's been an ongoing thing in the, in the original series. Is Diane real? Is I, there a real person behind Diane? Or is it he's named his journal entries? But then he gets things sometimes. Yeah, but I like, don't, so it's But it's always been kind of a discussion piece. Sure. Like, I, I, I like that. I don't think there's any reason to believe that Diane isn't real. I think it it tracks that he's... That but, he's talking to like, somebody and like yeah he he's very very verbose when he talks to her but like it tracks that he is marking all of his moves with somebody sure. back home yeah it's fun that we I, don't see her I, I agree with I, just, I agree with that but I understand why an argument could be made for Diane isn't real but I like that this is almost a response to that oh he's not talking to his voice recorder yeah. but also you don't hear or sure. see any of her and I like that also. It loosely introduces the idea of moving time. Oh, sure. Like, what's going on? What changed? Something changed. You moved the yeah. thing that represents time, a clock. And it's it's an interesting, yeah. loose concept. And because it's only a 40-second scene or something like that, depending on how and when it was used, I think it could have been really intriguing. I guess. I think I just tend to dislike dialogue where you only hear one half because it always sounds dumb and, like, stilted. and Because, it like, I'm just thinking of, like, mm. talking to Lassie or, like, in the 90s being on the phone <laughs> with the conversation. Like, oh, you say the store's closed early, do you? Like, yeah. you, you, like, repeat everything the person says in a way that sounds deeply yeah. false. Yeah. Um, and so that immediately kind of, like, puts my back up in terms of, like, uh, no, like this, this isn't how people yeah. talk. But that's how he talked to the voice recorder, too. Yeah, but it's different. How you would talk to a yeah. like voice recording is different than how I would talk to like a per. Even if I'm leaving you a voicemail, how I talk to the voicemail yeah. is different. That like I don't pause to listen in a voicemail, even yeah. though like I'm asking a question. I don't know. I didn't like it. I think it would have made okay. it worse. I I would say. I, I don't. I guess I don't know if thumbs up or down and what those mean. Worse, but I would, bad. Bad is would have made it worse. Traditionally, thumbs down is bad. But like this scene, are you saying this scene was bad or would have made Firewalk with me? Like, I'm just trying yes. to make sure we're because. Fine, I would say I I like it. I think it would have could have could have. So it's somewhere in between neutral and could have improved. Okay. <laughs> this is a fun game. So I like fun. This idea. Uh, Cooper talks uh, this is Stanley's apartment Cooper talks to Agent Stanley after Chester Desmond vanishes Sam is a little awkward around Cooper who eyes some of Agent Stanley's possession namely a vat of liquid with puzzlement Sam asks him about Lil's blue rose but Cooper avoids answering yeah there's nothing the only thing that's intriguing about this scene is that it connects Cooper to that whole investigation of Teresa Banks. Mm, sure. Because otherwise, the only time you see him is when he comes to the fat trout and looks under the trailer or whatever, sure. that whole scene. He doesn't interact with Desmond. But it, it lends some credence to the... I don't know. It's... It's weird. It's... It's, it's weird because some of these pieces, like, I think there's a really well thought out I think it's John Thornton's theory 
about that whole opening vignette of Firewalk With Me being a dream, and it's mm-hmm. a really well-thought-out theory. Mm-hmm. Then there's a handful of scenes like this from The Missing Pieces that just obliterate that. Sure. And I don't like that about them. Because whether that theory is correct or not, mm-hmm. I like it. I like it being in existence and then having this one scene that didn't actually even make it into the final cut of the movie ruining right. it is weird to me. Yeah. So you think. But I do like the but I do like certain things like Cooper knowing about the Blue Rose. Mm-hmm. I I'm knowing what that means. I sure. like I like that Cooper's involved in that and and he gets it and no, I'm not gonna explain it to you either. Sure. I like that. I like I like that's what I think I like about the missing pieces is I like them as being the missing pieces. Mm-hmm. Like people there's a lot of people clamoring for and supposedly there might be a firewalk and me cut a lot of, that includes the missing pieces um in existence somewhere. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I want that. I kind of like the missing pieces being yeah, it's kind of standalone nice. yeah. bits of like I like some of these things in it, but I don't think it would have worked within the film. Right. This is one of those scenes. I like some things in it, but I don't think it would have improved it. Mm-hmm. I would go neutral on this one. Okay. Um, next one is Buenos Aires slash Above the Convenience Store. Um, Philip Jeffries. Buenos Aires? Do they say that that's? Oh, it's they're, they're the hotel in Buenos Aires and this scene. Yeah. Okay. I got gotcha. you. Buenos Aires I was, I thought there was, slash above the gotcha. convenience I thought store. you were saying that the, that convenience store was in Buenos Aires, and I thought that no, was but an that'd odd. No, that would be a fun twist. Um, Philip Jeffries, so that's uh, uh, David Bowie. Bowie, is in the lobby of a hotel in Buenos Aires, the Palme Deluxe. The concierge gives him a key. Jeffrey asks if there is a Miss Judy at the hotel. The concierge responds by giving him a letter, a letter, quote, the young lady left, though it's not clear if he's talking about Judy or someone else. More of Jeffrey's rant in the FBI office is shown without, uh, without the above-the-convenience store sequence over his appearance. Gordon makes Albert leave to check the front desk, then tries to call for security, but gets no response. Cooper notices the lights flickering and leaves to check the hallway. As Cole shouts, Mayday, Jeffries looks at a calendar, realizes to his shock it's February 1989, Cole looks up and discovers Jeffries has disappeared, leading into the part seen in the film. Jeffries abruptly appears on a staircase in Buenos Aires in severe pain. A maid is stumbling away while a porter proclaims she has soiled herself. He has soiled himself, asking where Jeffries went. He screams "Ayudame," which is Spanish for "Help me," uh, over and over as Jeffries him- himself starts screaming. More of the more of above the comedian source sequence with some more dialogue. From the man from another place, after a short, a shot of the pole number at six with the arms whooping sound. So this is according to this. Besides the audio, which is cut up and rearranged, only some very quick shots of Jeffrey's rant and subsequent return to Buenos Aires are appear in the final cut. So mm-hmm. it gives me a little. So I don't know. I'm always happy to see the man from another place. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I. I really like a lot of this stuff. I wish they could have found a way, but I love the way it's cut together mm-hmm. in Firewalk With Me. I yeah. love the choppiness of all that. Yeah. The fact that it's even more disorienting. Mm, it's very eerie. But I love, like, the fire behind him, like, the the melted wall behind him, and he's coming back, and he's scared. Uh-huh. Like, he de- uh, Jeffries doesn't know what happened, doesn't know exactly where he is. Mm-hmm. It's there's a lot of stuff in there that I 
I love. Mm-hmm. And some of the longer stuff in the convenience store, I love a lot of those things. But I also love the way it's caught in Firewalk with me. Mm-hmm. So I, I almost wish they could have used more and continued with the way it's cut in Firewalk with me. Sure. Well, so like a mix of like you, I wish I wish you could have seen him pop to and from Buenos Aires. Oh, sure. Stuff like that. I think that. Yeah, I think that would have given you a better idea of like, oh, like time is unstuck. Like something is going on. Here. Yeah. Um, Mike is the man slash boo. Mike is the man slash sharing a cigarette. It's a little tongue twister, huh? <laughs> Um, there's a longer introduction of Bobby Briggs and Mike Nelson, which is only briefly seen in a montage in the finished film. They discuss the fact that they owe Leo Johnson five grand and that their Coke supply is running low. End of scene. Yeah, this is kind of just opposite angle of when you first get introduced to Laura. Mm-hmm. Which, I don't know if this was supposed to be instead of, but when you get introduced to Laura in... Firewalk with me, you get that boom, close up. Yeah. With the the main theme playing and it hits you. Like mm-hmm. bam, here, here she, she is. is. This is Laura living and breathing. Yeah. This is what you've been waiting for this whole time. Right, right, right. And if it introed this way, that would have been weird. Yes, I think you're 100% right. And like I don't think Bobby... But I guess this might not have been that same sequence. But they it, but they drop that main theme behind it mm-hmm. when she's talking Donna and I I don't know that this would have added anything. Yeah, I don't think so either. I don't think Bobby and Mike are part of the story that's being told. In Bobby this, is. You know, Bobby I mean, is because of the stuff at the end. She sees Bobby before But in terms of she... just, it, it feels very small compared to all the other stuff we're dealing with. Like, oh, we're yeah. in debt to Leo. And like, yeah, yeah, we I, know. What this scene was helpful for is to set up the scene with Donna saying she wants to potentially sleep with Mike for the first time. Oh, yeah. And you need to have... Mike, for that. But since you're also eliminating that scene, right? you don't need this scene. Now, I don't think the scene was necessarily bad. I don't think it added. Sure. Yeah, it was... It's... It just was lengthier. It was right. the quintessential you need to cut for time or whatever right. from a movie. Right. Okay, next is school books. Laura runs downstairs after discovering someone ripped pages from her diary. She runs into her mother coming back from getting groceries. Mikey noted it was a very realistic bag of groceries. Yeah. <laughs> Not did, didn't have like yeah. a baguette. Yeah, in. that was like every time someone has a bag of groceries in movies, it has like a random baguette sticking out the top. Like this was like, had a, on the top it was like ice cream. Yeah. And like, like yeah. yeah, I don't know. Um, so Laura asks her mom to use the car, claiming she forgot her books. Sarah gives her the keys and takes away her cigarette. Yeah, so this is a scene that I really like when you put it in context. Because they you need to know this is when she's running out of the house. Right, I, with, I, that wasn't clear the, to me. But you can see when she grabs the key, because she's got the, she, Laura takes a cigarette from her mom. That's in Laura's right hand. Mm-hmm. And then when she forgets the keys, she comes back in and grabs the keys with her left hand, but she's pinching the diary in like two fingers because oh, uh-huh. she's still holding she's that holding it, book. Like against her wrist. Yeah. And then grabs the keys with like two fingers off it. So that's when you can fully see that like, oh, she's running to go give the diary to Harold right now. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but it also means she's showing her mom that there is a secret. I have diary. a secret diary. Yeah. And like when she grabs the keys from like because Sarah the way Sarah's holding the groceries, she's holding the keys right up by her face. Sure. So when she grabs the keys, it's right there. It's right there. Mm-hmm. And I for someone like Laura who doesn't know who knows about this diary, like it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Your mom could be someone who knows about this mm-hmm. and is in on this. And like I it it's this weird element of who knows what when and I think I think it's a powerful scene for that and I abs- honestly just about every missing pieces scene with Sarah Palmer should have gone back in every scene she's in she's incredible and it adds this fantastic dynamic mm-hmm. that I think is wonderful and this is one of those scenes I think this absolutely would have helped yeah we're getting into this as well because the next scene is the Palmers at dinner um, and, and I agree and we discussed this kind of during um while we were watching, but we don't get any of the Palmers just being a regular happy mm-hmm. family. And even if, like, obviously there is a lot of shit going on, but, like, w- I think it would have been even darker if we ever saw the Palmers yeah. as, like, this happy, normal family. And then we find out, well, fuck, she, you know, the daughter's being raped by the father slash. If Adiba. there's one scene from Missing Pieces that that should have gone back in it's that mm. norwegian chanting scene. yeah i think so too uh, i didn't care about the Nor- the chanting part but just the overall but just what's happening it. in that scene where it starts out kind of menacing uh-huh. and then you realize it's just silly yeah and then the way the way sarah palmer and laura palmer are like side-eyeing each other yeah. like what is this this is just ridiculous and at the end is is so like oh wholesome family almost it is and at the very end like it seemed i mean she's a good actor so i could be taken in by her performance but it seems to me that um the actress who plays laura is like genuinely like laughing really hard like yeah. like really they're like, having it, it really fun in that her. scene yeah right. Um, so Laura comes back at dinner time. She's confronted by Sarah, her mother, who accuses her of uh, lying about losing her school books. She notes Laura stole her blue sweater and asks why she lied. Um, and then Laura claims she had to see Bobby, which is another lie. Um, the Palmer family dining room yeah, which shakes. You need context of Firewalk with me to know all those things are lies. Right, right. <laughs> like, like you need to know she actually went to go see Harold. Not, right. You know, like you wouldn't know that without. Right. Yeah. The Palmer family dining room shakes, and Leland stomps in pretending to be a hungry lumberjack, which Laura and Sarah watch with rolled eyes. Loved this. Yeah. I yeah. love this anything Ray is- Wise does. Also, I really want to get into later how somebody describes Ray Wise at, like a curly-haired movie star. <laughs> I loved it so much. He's had like wavy black hair, like a movie star, yeah. So good. Um, so, so he comes in, and he's just like, a dad making his daughter roll, roll her eyes. Like, it's a very... <laughs> very honest. Uh, I don't think my dad ever made me do that. But, like, I assume dads do that. <laughs> like, yeah. make their kids laugh. Um, he sits down and starts speaking Norwegian. And it, and it also sets up the pilot, which is, like, this big deal with the Norwegians are coming. The Norwegians are coming. Like, it. this is what's on his mind. It, it leads... Another character into where we start our world of Twin Peaks. Like, I completely agree. It, it's it's a perfect segue. This this is this is a scene top to bottom that should not have been cut. I completely agree because I think when he brought up the Norwegians, that was my first time like 
having the feeling of like oh yeah within by the time the norwegians yeah. get here it's like a few days. Yeah, yeah by the time the norwegians get here laura palmer is going to be dead and all this shit is going to go gonna have gone down and so we're looking at this little moment in time of this quote-unquote happy family who have their own fucked up mm-hmm. shit like it's it's an interesting scene it's it's adds layers to the family dynamic i completely agree i thought this was a really good scene um he sits down he starts speaking in norwegian and he says oh shit i didn't i don't have it written you, down i really thought you'd have that locked and loaded for this uh Palmer. joke landed um cut it <laughs> <laughs> Cut it with the actual audio from the thing. Actually, we should probably drop that clip in. But. Yeah. I was like, let's see when I can find this all online. Yeah. Um, I explained it was a blah. But yeah, and then he's, I want, this is a thing, since you're all going to meet the Norwegians, this is the thing I want you to know to, to it'll impress them if you learn, because it's, hello, how are you? My name is Leland Palmer. The way he says, I want you to learn to say, hello, my name is Leland Palmer. And both Sarah and Laura had the same take of like, you want me to say my name is Leland Palmer? <laughs> well, yeah, Laura says, my name's not Leland Palmer. <laughs> and then Sarah goes, yeah, mine neither. <laughs> like, it's like, a good, duh. it's a very you good know that, bit. Right? <laughs> the Norwegians are coming next week. And I'd like you both to learn something that I just learned in Norwegian. I'd like you both to learn to say, hello, how are you? My name is Leland Palmer. But my name isn't Leland Palmer. Neither is mine. And can't we talk about something serious for a change? This is serious, my dear. <laughs> and I, it's just I, such a good way to say it. And I love, I love the choice that... So, um, uh, Leland says this thing of, you know, Higley or Motodam, Yahitur, Leland Palmer. And then makes Sarah say it, and she's... My name, same thing, and she's like, Sarah Palmer. Like, does, like, tries to put this weird accent that isn't there. And then Laura does it, and she does, like, Higle, Amotadam, Yaheter, Laura Palmer. <laughs> and, like, like, does, like, gets so Americanized with it. And I love that, like, I, the difference in how they're trying to do this. I just, everything about this scene I do is, like it a lot. has so much character in it. And I will say, like, one of the cringiest things in the world is watching an English-speaking person try to, like, say their own name with you an accent. You mean, ax- like, me right now? Oh, oh boy, your own name. Yeah. yeah. Like, hello, Mayamo Jessica. Like, oh boy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no good. But she keeps saying Sarah, which I think is funny. <laughs> um so he So they he teaches them, they join in, they start kind of joining hands and chanting it. Yeah, Hater. Yeah. Okay, honey, now. That's very good. We'll practice some more. You try it, okay? Higle Omotadem. Higle Omotadem. Yeah, hater. Yeah, hater. Laura Palmer. Okay, all together now. <laughs> Both hands. A little bow, a little formal bow. Higle Omotadem. Yeah, hater. Leland Palmer. Higle Omotadem. Higley omoted them. 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 That's my girls. That's my girls. 
Oh my. Mm-hmm. And they end up laughing, and this looks like a regular happy family. Mm-hmm. They're not. <laughs> no. I just I don't want to spoil anything for you, but super not. We'll see. Okay, Laura's party is next. Laura sneaks out of her house, meets a trucker. She exchanges sex for drugs. I would argue that this would have enhanced... Wait, do we see any other instances on screen of Laura engaging in sex work? Besides, besides the Just big... the, the, the two main guys, I think, and the fact that uh, when Leland shows up to the hotel and says, bring your friends or whatever, mm-hmm. and Leland sees Laura there. So she's prepared to do it. Sure. I, I kind of think this could have stayed in. A, it was pretty short. B, I think there was something um, I liked about sort of how mundane it was for her to be yeah. like just getting in a truck, doing some blow, you know, <laughs> having sex with this guy and leaving. Like, I liked how it was like she's doing a paper route. Like, oh, I'm here. Give me the thing I'm supposed yeah, to do. Yeah, it's, it's the only time you see her do this with I, someone who doesn't, isn't a named character. Yeah. It isn't her father. It isn't, you know what I mean? Right. Like it. And I think it adds to her, her our understanding of her character, which is... She was promiscuous and, and... Not even that she's promiscuous, but she was very, like, transactional. Yeah. I guess. And, like, it wasn't all under... I mean, obviously, there's arguments to be made that this teenage girl was under and duress at all times. And also very much an addict. Not just, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. oh, I, just like, oh, I, I do casually blow do once in a while. drugs. Yeah. yeah, she very much yeah. needed blow. That's what you see with her and Bobby later, right. like... She needs it. Yeah, I yes, I think it is a good idea to show the audience, like, hey, she, yeah, you're right, she's an addict. Like, this yeah. isn't... And not only is it potentially just you're addicted to cocaine, because cocaine is massively addictive, mm-hmm. but also, like, she does it before bed to try to stay awake right. so that it's she can fight. Day. Like, it's it's a weapon for her. It's a, a shield more so, but it's... Yeah, cocaine is imp- incredibly important to her. Yeah. Um... Okay, so this next scene I think is dumb, <laughs> and I would like to skim this? the two by four scene. Hmm. You like it, don't you? You love Pete. This is a Mikey loves Pete. I do. I know you do. Um, and I love Deb Del Mibler. Um, I don't give a shit about Josie, right. but <laughs> it's a correct take. I let me skim through this really quick. Okay. Del uh, Mibbler comes to the Packard Sawmill, complains to Josie and Pete that their two by two, excuse me, two by fours are not exactly two inches by four inches. His complaints distress Josie, frustrate Pete, who finally wins over Del by pointing out that at Del's bank, the dollar is not worth worth the same as it used to be. Um, and then Del apologizes. I didn't like this scene. I, I it was stupid and pointless, and added nothing. I. Love this scene on its own right, just because I love Pete. I love the idea of trying to explain to this man who just doesn't get it that, like, two by four is just a name. They're mm-hmm. not actually two by four when, by the time you get them. I'm not trying to rip you off. Mm-hmm. I think it's just sweet. But I also, what this does show that I like is A, Pete is very competent. Mm. And B, Josie is not. Josie is in way over her head in owning and operating a sawmill. Yeah. Like she doesn't understand the basic sizing of And then it was like, (sighs) 
well, what can we give him instead? And it was like, well, I can't. Like, I can get him on finished stuff, but then that isn't ex- this. That stuff's got to go internet. Like, he it knows all the it, inner like, workings, and Josie knows none of it. Right. And I, I, it sets that up, which I kind of like. But you don't need it to be set up after the fact. No. But it is a nice maybe this segue into this. Could have been nice in the pilot. Or in like the first few episodes of season sure. one, so we can see Oja doesn't know what the fuck she's doing. I don't know why we're trying I, to. Yeah, I don't know we're when retreading you, because, this round because Laura's already. I don't know when you would have. I don't know, maybe. Yeah, but I. It's just. It's a fun scene, but what I what it also does is break up the heaviness of Firewalk with me and everything else that's happening. Sure, but I mean, it's the, yeah. the, the, the Here's the thing. There's. I think. I don't know if it was his David Lynch's choice or, you know, producers getting involved and trying to make up. He needed to connect this all to the world of Twin Peaks more so than just Laura. He wanted to tell Laura's story. And I, I bet there was a lot of studio influence saying, you need to have Twin Peaks. What about, we love we love this Pete character. What about Josie? Sure. What about Harry and it's Andy like and pulled- Lucy? Well, like, you're getting rid of, of the hat. Yeah, you got to you got to get all these characters in that we know and love. And this is this is an opportunity to to get it's it's setting the world of Twin Peaks. And if Twin Peaks the show didn't exist and Fire Walk with Me had to be a standalone film, some of these would have helped set that world. But that was never going to be Exactly. That's just a different movie they'd be making. Exactly. And I, I think rightfully they pulled just about all of the Twin Peaks, quote unquote, scenes. Mm-hmm. All of the stuff with, yeah, with Lucy and with Andy and Harry Truman and Norma and Big Ed. All of that stuff, unfortunately, just needed to go. Yeah. It, it wouldn't work within the context of the story being told in, in Firewalk With Me. Right. And this is another one of those scenes. That said, I love this scene in its own right. Yeah. I, I think it's just quirky and fun and just silly to watch that they're having the same conversation for far too long mm-hmm. and just making the same point back at each other. Yeah. I, 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 it's just fun to watch, I think. Yeah, I disagree, but understand what you mean. I think you're, I think you're blinded by your love of Pete, Michael. You're not thinking straight Maybe. anymore. Um. But I would say probably neutral. Okay. Um, kind of quiet is the next scene. Longer scene in the Double R Diner with Laura helping out with Meals on Wheels. Ed and Nadine come in for coffee. Nadine says sees that Norma's working at the counter and drags Ed out. Shelley sees Laura standing at the place where Mrs. Tremont and her grandson were standing. Uh, Laura runs away. Shelley go, goes back to the diner. Norma sends Shelley to do Laura's route. The cook peeks in, comments that the dinner is the diner is kind of quiet. Uh, Norma starts cry, Norma starts crying in a booth. Ed comes back in and apologizes to her, and they make plans to meet later. Yeah, um, I love the the later scene with Norma and Ed in the truck. Of course, because it's magic. And you need this scene to set that up. Yeah, that's a good point. But if you're going to pull... But again, it like you said, I'm blinded by my love of Pete. Big Ed and Norma is right. one of my favorite you know, on-screen relationships. And 
anytime we get to see them, I'm in favor of it. Right. But would it have helped Firewalk with me? No. Mm-mm. Yeah, I think that's... Unless... I mean, no. No. It would have been fun, would have been nice to see, but I don't think it would have enhanced the story being told in Firewalk with me. Sure. Yeah, I agree. So I guess neutral again. Yeah, I would say it would have it would have added it would have padded an already long movie. So yeah. um, next one is Best Friends. After Laura runs to Donna's house crying, Donna lets her in, and Will and Eileen Hayward look after her. This is very sweet. Um, Leland calls Laura back home, and Will and Eileen show obvious suspicion that something is off. Is this the scene when? Something about Will says something about smoking. Like he doesn't allow smoking in his house. Yeah, unless I don't. It's you. I don't allow smoking. Your parents don't allow you to smoke in the, their house. I, I I'm a smoking. doctor, and I don't allow anybody to smoke in my house. But for some reason, I let you. Why is it you can't smoke in your home? I'm a doctor, and don't allow smoking in my home. And I let you smoke in my home. Because you love me so much. <laughs> I do love you. A little smoking whippersnapper. And she says, because you love me. And he yeah. says, yes. There's which a few sweet. moments in this scene that are really good. There's a lot of stuff that just stands out as, like, honestly, until Will and Eileen show up, mm-hmm. I don't, the scene between Laura and Donna is, is odd. Like, the the dialogue is clunky. Yeah, it's very it odd. felt like, I just want to smoke. Yeah. Ugh. And it just didn't, it didn't track with Laura's character, and then and then Donna being like, "I think I might want to sleep with Mike," and Laura's like, "I don't care." Yeah, like this this weird pouty Laura is a Laura we've never seen. It doesn't seem accurate. To yeah, me. it do- yeah. So I that that part I think is all odd. Mm-hmm. That said, I like the the bit about assuming Donna is the one who told her dad to tell her because she whispers in mm-hmm. Doc Hayward's ear and then he says oh what this says is your angels will return mm-hmm. and yeah, and like that's a sweet moment mm-hmm. so there's a handful of things in it and then as soon as as soon as she's lifted up and sees that for a second boom the phone rings Leland calls her back right. it's there's things in it that are good it's way too long. Yeah, it may it might have worked if they cut the scene down mm-hmm. and then put it in. Right. Uh, this isn't a prescription. It's a secret message for Laura. The angels will return, and when you see the one that's meant to help you, you will weep with joy. Yeah, she's right here, Liam. Laura, it's for you and your father. But as it is, I like the interaction. I, with, I don't like it. I liked the interaction with Doctor Mrs. Hayward 
But yeah. yeah, I agree that. But again, I think it was like you're trying to get back in the characters from Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. You know, like there yeah. was a, like we didn't need we didn't need Eileen Hayward to be in this. Scene. No, no. Um, the next one is I'm the Muffin slash the Ring. Uh, Donna shows Laura out of their house with the two calling each other the Muffin. As she leaves, Laura shouts to Donna that I'm a muffin. Uh, this interaction is referred to with Laura's line in the Power and Glory bar in the final cut. And then there's a longer scene of Cooper with a man from another place with the two interacting more than they did in the final cut. The man introduces the ring to Cooper and poses the question, is it future or is it past? The question is later repeated by Mark, Mike. Excuse me. The question is later repeated by Mike in part two. Part two of what? Um, season three. Oh, they call them all parts, huh? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but I love the shot. I love that like wide angle, mm-hmm. almost borderline overhead shot, mm-hmm. and like it's so right frame heavy that like because Cooper occupies so much more space than the man from another place, like. There's stuff in it I really, really like. Uh-huh. But we got all that information mm-hmm. in the final cut. Like, we would have seen that sequence like three times in from various angles at various different times. And granted, that helps reiterate that concept of is it future or is it past if you're seeing something frequently. Sure. But, yeah, it, it builds more mythology around the ring. Mm-hmm. And I like that. Sure. I think it could have improved okay. the um, the scene, but it's it's interesting. Yeah, I yeah. don't. I mean, I like the man from another place. But I just I, have again, to see him. But like, I don't know. I don't know where this goes. Sure. Where would this have fit in the movie? Right. You get Cooper, which he doesn't seem to be in the movie very much. Mm-hmm. A lot of Cooper got cut out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, to be in the missing pieces. Right. It's interesting. Um, the next one is Bob Speaks Through Laura slash Blue Sweater. Um, this is a longer version of Laura's possession under the ceiling fan and speaking to Bob, um, which is, is this that slow pan on her face or that slow shot on her face? That yeah, she, and the, like, the, the fan's going mm-hmm. and you kind of, it's a lot of like dissolved shots on yeah. top of each other. Um, Sarah accuses Laura of stealing her blue sweater again, only to realize that she's wearing it. She bemoans having another nervous breakdown as Laura tries to comfort her. I love it. Mm-hmm. I, I, Sarah's very Sarah good. is... I think giving Laura a mother, like a functioning mother... is Or non-functioning you know, mother. Well, you I know mean, what I mean? But like, she's a... a Grace Abriski's a phenomenal actress. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing character. I think every... like. I don't think there's a more underutilized character in the world of Twin Peaks than Sarah Paul. Log Lady? I, I think Log Lady could have been used more and potentially better, but the stuff they did use is great. Like, mm. her Sarah Palmer just kind of like... She's a zombie for the first yeah. season. Yeah. And, and, then the, and then when she does get to do stuff, she's incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, you at least... The Log Lady, I think, is a flushed out character and could have been used more. But Sarah Palmer... I want to know more about that character. Right. I want. I want. It, I want into her world. Mm-hmm. I don't know. 
But yeah, Log Lady is number two to behind Sarah. Um, the next scene is Sunday at the Johnsons. So this is a longer version of a scene at Shelley and um, Leo's. Uh, <laughs> Leo's showing Shelley the correct quote correct way of cleaning the floor. Um, Cut it. Yeah, I, it is. I mean, even the shot that they, the part of this that they did use is just yeah. dumb. We already know he's abusive. Like, this isn't new information. The only thing it does is remind you Leo's going to be in the story because he doesn't show up until the end. Yes. Yeah. Um, And it also, this doesn't seem to fit with my understanding of Leo's character. Like, the fact that he... Why would he be washing the floor? Yeah, he doesn't... He would just be, get on the floor, I'll tell you how to do it if I have a problem with it. He wouldn't be doing it. And then then she's kind of has some sass, too, that like... Doesn't track with the relationship. Right. I don't... This whole sequence is odd. I... The only thing I liked about it is I enjoyed watching somebody who's like hopped up on whatever he's on. What'd you say, Benzies? Yeah. Um... I just sort of liked the one line. He's like, when you clean the floor, you have to clean it hard because the dirt gets down underneath. And just yeah. like that, like very drugged, drug addled idea of like, because he's scrubbing the same spot for this right. entire three minute scene. And I just kind of like the idea of like his version of being coked out is like getting the floor, the floors so fucking clean. Yeah. Like, and, I, and also like there's a little bit of metaphor of like the, the, the darkness is underneath and no, oh, yeah, like whatever. But it's just. <laughs> I'm sorry, but Eric DeRay is just not a great actor no. either. So he doesn't sell it yeah. in any way that's worthwhile. And then Machen Amick doesn't have anything to act off of. Right. Like, it's it's just... Her hair looks different in this scene. It looks really nice. It's like <laughs> brushed out. It's blown out instead of curly and like long layers. Oh. Like basically the haircut I had for 20 years of my <laughs> life. Long layers to my shoulders. I Can't fuck say, it up. I always thought you looked like Machen Amick. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think that you would think that, but I've always thought that too. <laughs> Is it the chins? Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> okay, are you ready for the next one? It's called Smash Up, and it stars Norma and Ed. They are sitting in his truck, and they're just discussing their life, listening to music. Um, apparently, according to this, the scene is unscripted. Did you know that? No, I don't know if I did. Uh, I mean, I may have heard that at some point, but I don't recall. What I... The the back and forth at the top of this... Like, seeing Big Ed be a little bit drunk is amazing. It's amazing. Like, the whole... like And, and he delivers it so on, honestly. The way he's like, I got this PBB... PT... It's like a little portable. <laughs> just, just can't get the three letters out or whatever. Like, it's just, it's, oh, guess we're going to have to be here a while. Like, it's so sweet for someone who seems like he's always got to be like, well, I can't get drunk because I've got to take care of Nadine, who's sure. you he's know, the guy mentally with the responsibilities. unwell. I have to take care of this. I have to do this. I'm this big stoic, you know, He's a teddy bear, but also, right. like, I'm willing to put aside all of my own thoughts and feelings. Mm-hmm. But when he's with Norma, I, he can let go. And and you get to see this just adorable version of Ed, and I love it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, they're, they're yeah. great. They have great chemistry, naturally, mm-hmm. and 
Yeah, it's adorable. I love them. I would watch an entire movie about those two. Yeah. Um, oh. What? Oh, Peggy Lipkin's dead. I was just like, they should make a big Ed and they, and they can't yeah. do that because she died. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I hope you feel bad remembering that. I do. Why would you hope that? I don't know. I'm an asshole and I'm tired. The Power and the Glory. Laura and Donna decide, arrive with their hookups at the Power and the Glory room in the Canadu and us of fucking A bar. Canadu and us of. Canada. It's. There's a the big sign that they pan across that says Canadu and US of fucking A. Okay. They did not do a good job writing this on TwinPeaks.Fandom.com. I mean, that's kind of what the banner looks like. All caps? Yeah. Canada and oh, U.S. of fucking A. That, there's randomly a quotes around the A, so I don't know what's going on there. Anyway, um, Barbara I, and Dennis. I think that's on the sign. I think that's it? verbatim on the sign, and they're saying fucking A. Yeah, no, no, no I understand. I just okay. hate it. It's not... I think Dottie just tripped in her sleep, which is impressive. Um, so they're at that bar with Dennis at the Canadian border. The scene clarifies that the pink room scene was not actually in the roadhouse, which is not so obvious in the finished film. I mean, I knew they went to Canada. Mm-hmm. And I knew that it was somewhat like... I've always preferred, heard it referred to as the pink room. Um, mm-hmm. But what is it? Power and the Glory? I guess you see that written on the door that they actually go into. Right. Yeah, that is the first time we... Um, I think you could have cut the car scene <laughs> and then leading up to it. I get... I like the little exchange in the parking lot with Donna and Laura where Laura looks at Donna while snorting coke. Mm-hmm. And then Donna's like, no. And she's like, don't be a fucking asshole. Why do you got to fucking ruin everything? Yeah. And, like, that whole thing, which is partially what probably triggers Donna to, you know, the peer pressure of, like, going, you know, going in right. yeah, later they, they, and, do, and playing along with everything that's happening. But... I do think the plot line was clearer this time around that Donna was making an effort to, like, A, impress Laura, but also, like, she feels prudish and really wants... Right. To like break out of that. And I think that sort of and, tees and, up her. And that's enhanced with the, the conversation from the earlier scene. Like, Right, that's what I mean. Like the, this. I feel like a lot of these scenes, some of them are really good scenes. And it was like, well, we want to cut this scene. But if we cut this, then this scene no longer makes sense. So we got to cut that too. Right. And I think there was a bunch of those. You know what I mean? Right. And this is one of those that like we needed to cut this. It was just too long. Mm-hmm. We didn't want to break up that vibe of like the club or whatever sure. the music and all that we didn't want to break that up with this car ride right so we want to cut that scene uh well then w- then we get this weird prudish donna we so we should cut that other scene like it's just a lot of that it's sure. that's i i has got to be one of the hardest things for a director and an editor is once you have an assembly cut of everything that's in your mind right out there then being like, okay, we need to cut an hour and a half out of this. Right. How? Right. Like, I've done that with, I mean, I have used to do a little bit of wedding videos and, and music videos for local bands and stuff. And there's certain things where you're like, God, I love this shot, but 
I can really only afford to use three seconds of it, not right. 14 seconds, which is how long this whole thing. Like, and you got to pick and choose those little bitty things. And that's got to be so hard when it sure. comes to, you need to cut two hours out of this movie. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. That's hard. And, and I think that's why he put this out there is because I still love all this stuff. Because mm-hmm. a lot of it is really good. It just doesn't fit with Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me. Yeah. Um, all right. Fire Walk with me. Uh, Mike sits shirtless in his motel room, uh, lighting in a circle of candles, saying in backwards talk, Fire Walk with me. Yeah, I, I'm curious. No idea when this takes no, place. No, I don't either. I don't know where I, this would have interjected into the film. I like Mike. I like the actor who plays Mike. I don't think this... Would have added anything. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. My guess is that this would have been somewhere before the train car. Yeah, like this is him envisioning what's happening, and then before he goes to like give the ring to Laura to help rescue her or whatever. Mm-hmm. My guess it would have been somewhere right before that, but sure. it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think we needed it. All right, party girl. After reading about her in Flesh World, uh, Leland calls Teresa Banks, who invites him to the Red Diamond City Motel. After Leland runs off, Teresa tells Laura and Ronette that her client flaked on them, uh, leaving the three alone in the motel room. She brushes her hair with her hands, prominently displaying her ring. Pieces of the scene appear in Laura's flashback of the ring in the final cut. Shortly after witnessing Leland's outburst, Teresa's suspicions are raised and she calls Jacques Renault uh, asking what Ronette Pulaski and Laura Palmer's fathers look like. After giving her descriptions... Yeah, movie star. <laughs> after giving her... And dis- just for the record, my French accent is just as good as his. Yeah, correct. Um, after giving her descriptions, Jacques asks why. She gives a bogus explanation regarding a supposed assault. She quickly hangs up, snickers to herself, and then calls Leland at his office in a bid to blackmail him. This event is referred to by Renault during the pink room scene in the final cut. I like it. I like this scene. I like I like that it gives some life and character to Teresa Banks, mm-hmm, who, who yeah. is only ever just a body, like Laura. Right. Um, but... And she's great. She's kind of conniving and, and ha- like, she's got her wits about her. Mm-hmm. I think she's a strong character, um, which almost makes it strange that she was, I guess, Laura's incredibly strong, too. I don't know. It's it's interesting. I'm, I'm, it makes me really, really curious about the Teresa Banks character. Uh-huh. I feel like you could have had a spinoff series, you know, with Pamela Gidley playing uh-huh. Teresa Banks, but it was just... It's interesting. I I like that about it. Yeah. I like that those three women are connected by more than just their circumstance of their death. Right. It's nice to see that they know each other Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. are friendly. Yeah. And I I would imagine that this is just a pacing thing. Mm -hmm. The only thing I don't like is the fact because she tries to blackmail Leland or whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. It makes it seem like Leland then Leland killed her as part of like uh I'm mad at you for trying to blackmail me. Oh and it gives him to, a yeah. personal motive rather than like the Bob aspect yeah, that's a good point. motive. And then it becomes 
and maybe that and maybe that's just a shift in the story of yeah bob didn't kill Teresa banks fucking leland did yeah that'd be to cover and 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 it just makes leland even worse right and i that could be interesting right so i don't know but it it i don't know i think there's a lot of great stuff in this bit but yeah I, I think it would have been... It was been, pacing, I think. Yeah, right? I think... Sure. It, I liked this. I think it would have added to the movie, but like not so much that I'd be willing to add another yeah. five minutes or whatever. But I would say, overall, I would say yes. I would. I think it would have enhanced it. Mm-hmm. Um, next one is Don't Forget slash Laura's Secret Stash. stash. Uh, Leland cheerfully reminds Laura while heading out that it's Johnny Horn's birthday. Laura and Sarah sit at the table silently. Uh, Nor- Laura snorts the last of her stash. <clears throat> this is essentially the same scene that happens in the film, mm-hmm. with a few seconds added at the beginning and the end of her reflecting. Um, I don't think this I don't think it's necessary by any means. I do like. I guess I wanted this. Uh, this does sort of like tap into something that like I think I wanted Firewalk with me to be a little more about. Laura's real family life and like her real life as a high schooler and not just her double life and not just the circumstances of her death. Like I want to know who Laura was as as Mm -hmm. a person. I agree. And I think every one of these family scenes Mm -hmm. does that. Mm -hmm. I think this (laughs) I will say uh, Grace Zabriskie's line reading is one of the best line when when he says don't forget it's Johnny Horn's birthday. And they sit there for a second. She just kind of goes, don't forget. <laughs> like, why the fuck are you telling us that? None of us care. And we already know. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, because he was so, like, excited about it for some reason. It was just like, yeah, don't forget. Like, I don't whatever she does, and I don't even, I can't even replicate it, but it's just Very delightful. Good. I drop that in if you can. Yeah. I I, that might be a hard one to find, but. Yeah. Now, don't forget, it's Johnny Horn's birthday today. Don't forget. I love it. I think that's a great... And it, it, it just... It sets up another moment of, like, sometimes Sarah Palmer just is completely blissfully unaware of what's happening. Sure. And, and chalks it up to these nervous breakdowns or whatever, like the sweater thing of like, it's happening again, I, right. a thing I don't remember. Right. And and she has these bouts of forgetfulness or whatever, memory loss. And this might be another one of those like, whatever. What? Yeah. Who are yeah. you? What are you talking about? Like, I don't know. It's, I, I just, pretty much every one of these family scenes I think are, would have, would have enhanced. Mm-hmm. I think so too. Yeah. I think there's things you probably could have cut out of Firewalk with me and replaced with these. I that's what I was just thinking a minute ago. Like I, yeah, if we had the time and the wherewithal, I think it would be interesting to like do this overall for both mm-hmm. movies and how like would we have cut it? I don't want to do it. it. Sounds like a lot of work, and I'm very tired already. Yeah, give give me that four hour assembly uh-huh. cut and let me recut it. Is yeah, that what you're saying? It is. I should put that out. This is like the uh, to enhance my reel. <laughs> I can say it's like the um, what's the cut that like Topher Grace or somebody did cut a Star Wars? Oh yeah, that like yeah. cuts all of the prequels in an hour or something like that. It's it's longer than that. It's like a feature length, oh, so I is. think it's like an hour and forty minutes or whatever. But it's 
it's it's basically maybe it's not even quite that long but it's basically yeah all of the prequels cut down to basically a movie yeah basically a movie Don't of, argue, it's still too long yeah uh, what, did, what did they call it it's the some machete cut is the one where machete order or machete order is, is when you is what? how you're supposed to watch the Star Wars, which is basically watch them sequ- sequentially el- eliminating the Phantom Menace completely. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm eliminating. And uh, I don't remember. Okay. Doesn't matter. Yeah, Machete. I'll look, it look up. up Machete Order, and you can you can link to Machete Order. All right. Next is Bernie the Mule. Harry, Andy, and Hawk uh, discuss setting up a trap for uh, Bernard Winnell. Andy comments that Bernie is coming in on foot, and Harry confirms this. After an awkward silence, Harry asks if he means they will have a lot of. Harry asks if he means they will have a lot of paths to cover, but Andy explains he merely thinks he'll have a lot of walking to do. Hawk quickly exits, followed by Andy after dismissed, being dismissed by a puzzled Truman. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like these it's, boys together. It's great, quirky Twin Peaks. We love these characters. It's a. It's a fun little scene mm-hmm. that would have been great in the series somewhere. Yeah. It doesn't add anything to the Firewalk With Me story. No, I agree. Except that it's bringing back these characters who otherwise would not have been in the movie. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think it's exactly but what but they these, want to do. And we love those characters. Yeah, we love those characters. So we wanted them in there. And it and it and it's fan service, really. Totally. And it... So I'm kind of glad it got cut. But... Mm. But they're great scenes. Yeah. It would not have enhanced the movie, but I they're great scenes. But you know, it's 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 almost a sad reminder of the fact that Lynch wasn't involved with the original series as much as he could have been. Mm-hmm. If you could have had these sequences like this in the middle of the series somewhere, that would have been great. Right. This whole thing with Lucy not understanding the um whatever the recorder phone thing like oh, the, yeah. the speakerphone thing or yeah. whatever like and then not understanding that whole thing is a great bit mm-hmm. and would have been great in the series somewhere but we don't get it yeah. we kind of get a semblance of that in season three but again that's another one of those moments of like this was a bit that I liked mm-hmm. we had to cut it I'll put it in season three somewhere Yeah, so yeah. she doesn't understand cell phones in season right, three right. All right, next is I Killed Someone. The day after the drug deal turned lethal, Bobby confronts Laura at her locker and tells her to hide the ten grand in her safety deposit box. Laura is unfazed by Bobby's stress and mocks his remorse, which angers him. I liked this. It's I, a great scene. Yeah. I mean, it's a I great... I think they could have left it in. Yeah, I don't know that it would have enhanced her. But I love this spiraling Laura where she's just, like, giggly. Mm-hmm. I love, like... That's the one thing I love about that scene in the woods, mm-hmm. the drug deal in the woods, is her just the 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 two characters and like that's got to be hard as an actor. Oh sure. Because I watch this scene and I can't stop smiling mm-hmm. because of the way she's giggling mm-hmm. and like to be Bobby and to be like all serious in her face and not just start giggling at her. Right. It's got to be hard and at the same time like she's being berated by this guy and it's just like. Like it's it's those clashing of characters. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, 
Baby laxative is the next one. You liked this one. Baby and sp- uh, baby. <laughs> Bobby inspects the cocaine in the woods, realizes that it's baby laxative, and they keep yelling about how they yeah. killed somebody over baby laxatives. What's the line no, from Laura you liked? It's not. The, it's the scene in the woods doesn't do it. It's when she comes in later and she's like, "I killed a guy for baby laxative." Baby laxative. Don't get funny on me again. I'm not. What does she? How does she say it? Like, what's the world coming to? Yeah, what's kill- the world coming to when we killed a guy over baby laxative? And like, has it like? And he's like, stop joking around. She's like, I'm not. And you're like, I don't know what's happening anymore. Yeah, it's great. I love, I love that line exchange. But this scene of him throwing it around in the truck, honestly. I would A, get rid of this scene. Mm-hmm. B, get rid of the scene that makes the cut of them making this drug deal in the woods and Bobby kills the guy. Oh, yeah. you don't That like whole that fucking scene needs to go. I don't think it enhances anything. I don't like that Bobby kills the guy. No. And when, I don't think it plays well with his character for the series. Yeah, and we talked about it last time. Yeah. Like, it, it makes absolutely no sense if he had just murdered somebody why he's so laissez-faire with the I cops. love the emotional interaction between Bobby and... and Laura, though, really are good together. Like the way he's super serious and she's high and mm-hmm. giggly. That whole dynamic, I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. That said, I would have eliminated the killing the guy or just make the drug deal go smoothly. Yeah, and then they have have this and then find out it's laxative or what. It's just it's a weird thing, and I don't I don't know. I'm not a fan. Yeah, for the most part. No. I- they say baby laxative too many times for <laughs> me to be comfortable with it. But it also sets also, up that this... how do they know it's laxative? Like, she tastes it. She's like, it's baby laxative. Cooper does that, too, in in season two, when he goes to Dead Dog Farm, when he dips his hand in the sink that didn't mm-hmm. have water, and mm-hmm. mm, baby laxative. Like, yeah. I think it's a probably a commonly used way to cut cocaine. Sure. Because it probably has almost the exact same consistency mm-hmm. or whatever. If you're living in that world which we are not for all you listeners jess and i do not deal cocaine frequently yeah and when we do it's 100 percent pure we don't cut it with anything but it's because like <laughs> if you don't care about the quality of your coke right. then why are you Ex- in the business why exactly um <laughs> uh, no but i assume it's just a common thing so they know yeah because of that right that it's not flour it's not sugar mm-hmm. It's this other thing, and I and we've probably experienced it before sure. because we've probably done it. Yeah, you know, yeah. like Doctor Jacoby calls Laura the day before her death, right after she does some coke. Uh, he chastises her for not calling him. Uh, Laura has become Laura can tell he's become frustrated. She says that she was at Johnny's birthday and mentions making some audio tapes for him, which we hear in the actual series. She gives up on snorting the last line of cocaine. Um, I liked this actually. <laughs> really? Um, only because I feel like little things like this did a better job of weaving back into the series itself. Yeah. And like, not even filling in holes, but like, what did her relationship with Dr. Jacoby look like? Well, we only get it from his side and from her and tapes. You, and you hear in the series his side being like, I was there this whole time. Right. I was very heavily involved. And then we watched this movie about the week of right. her life leading up to this, and he just wasn't in it. Right. Yes. 
so I'll give you that. Yeah. That said, if it were just this one scene, mm-hmm. it feels shoehorned in. And his fake beard is really bad. His fake beard is upsetting, yes. Um, but it's, I don't know. I don't, because it, it, you could have worked, I think, I think Jacoby could have and should have been worked in. Mm-hmm. In a productive way. But in this scene, you just get Jacoby who calls her mm-hmm. and she says, you're not supposed to call me. And he says, sorry. And then the end. N- there's no substance in that scene. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. There's, no, there's they, nothing learned. There's right. nothing you furthered. could have introduced his character could have been involved. Mm-hmm. And I would have liked that. I would have yeah. liked to have seen Jacoby in a couple could of scenes. this particular scene. This, this felt like... What character have we not shown you? Oh, Jacoby, let's get him. We'll do this scene, and nothing matters in it. Like, it's yeah. because there's, there, yeah, there's no arc in this scene at all. Uh, so, I, yeah, I would say it, yeah. Um, I would say it would have hurt. Okay. Um, you, s- you, you think it would have made it better? Uh, I mean, I think you make good points. I think more than th- I wanted this scene to be in it, I would have liked some Jacoby to be in, yeah. to be in it. I think more than anything. Um, asparagus is the next scene. On the night of her death, Laura is eating dinner with her mother, though she refuses to eat the, the asparagus, as mentioned in her diary in the series. Again, this this is a great example mm-hmm. of we the first thing the first like voice we have to Laura Palmer is Cooper reading the diary. And says asparagus for dinner again tonight. (sighs) Such a great moment. Mm -hmm. Put it in, Mm -hmm. man. Every one of these dining room scenes Mm -hmm. are incredible. I completely agree. Um, Yeah, I think this absolutely would have enhanced. uh, Sarah tells her Leland is staying late with Ben to work on plans for the Norwegians. Laura tells her she's going to Bobby's to do homework. Uh, Sarah tells her it's a school night and reminds her to be back at nine. After Laura leaves the room to put away her dishes, Sarah anxiously lights a cigarette, and Laura leaves the house. And this also sets up that Leland is going to be gone mm-hmm. for the night. Yeah. So. Yeah. Sarah's not one. Like this is nobody's wondering where anyone is. Right. This is this fills in a lot of holes. Right. Um, okay. Next, Bobby and Laura in the basement. Major Briggs. This reads to a, Betty Briggs from the Book of Revelations, which it was. It felt like a real wholesome, wholesome piece yeah. of Americana, like a guy reading the Bible to his wife as she cross stitches or or embroiders or whatever. <laughs> it just felt very like Happy Days. Um, Betty lets Laura in. Uh, Bobby reveals to. I'm glad they mentioned that it was Book of Revelations. I didn't. Rec- not that I'm a biblical scholar, but I didn't recognize that. Bobby reveals to Laura that the supposed cocaine they'd picked up and killed the mule for was actually baby laxative. Bobby reveals to Laura that the supposed cocaine they picked up and killed the mule for was actually baby laxative. Daddy, shut up. Bobby is dealing with the consequences of what he has done. Laura's thoughts are on getting more cocaine. Bobby gives her the cocaine and lets her snort it. Um, He and Laura officially break up. Bobby shows her out of the house. After closing the door, he pulls out a cigarette and starts to light it. Major Briggs looks up, tells Bobby to put out the cigarette, and continues reading. I I love this was cut down mm-hmm. very appropriately. You get yeah. the you get the important stuff between Laura and Bobby of I get it, you don't want you you don't want me. Mm-hmm. You want You've always wanted the Coke. And I get that. Also, it's 
probably it's a stupid thing, but in the pilot, when when we see Betty and Garland Briggs in their kitchen, it's the brightest like orange red kitchen, mm-hmm. and now it's like a seafoam green. Oh God, I wouldn't notice that. Like I, the only reason I notice it is because in the pilot that the I pulled up a picture here. If you wanna, I don't know what you're doing on your phone. Um. That's the kitchen when we introduced to oh dang Bobby the the Briggs parents yeah so it's this bright orange dark orange red orange reddish color but like every cabinet is painted that way and it's really overwhelming and then they go in this and then you see the kit the kitchen mm-hmm. and it's like this like sea like they wouldn't have painted in. That the day yeah, and like they're that both night, such distinctive. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like it's dumb, but just cut it out. You don't need it, or don't show the fucking kitchen. Yeah, like I don't know. Yeah, but so I think they cut this scene absolutely appropriately. Mm-hmm. I think this is, yeah, you cut out Major Briggs, who I adore, mm-hmm. and Betty Briggs, who is great He's there too. Um, <laughs> but it's unnecessary yeah it doesn't serve any purpose to the greater story yeah so i think they cut that absolutely appropriately yeah i agree uh next one good night lucy lucy calls harry and andy in the interrogation room she tells harry that josie packard saw a prowler harry tells her he's on his way and tells andy to monitor the radio lucy speculates over the intercom what the prowler was and screams in surprise when harry appears at the front desk uh, Andy hears this and runs to see what's going on. Meanwhile, Lucy realizes Andy's no longer in the meeting room and runs to check on him. They collide in the hallway and scream. And then they say, as you said, a similar situation yeah. occurs in the, the return. Yeah, It's um, a great, it's a f- really, f- and Truman is, just doesn't understand what she doesn't get. Yeah. Like, it's it's all delightful. Yeah, I mean, you know, anytime Truman and Lucy interact, oh, I'm so happy absolutely. about it. Um, and then, like Andy, who's like the perfect intermediary between the two, all the three of these people together yeah, is that's wonderful. Good. Um, waiting for James while sneaking out on the night of her death, Laura waits outside her home for James. She watches Leland slash Bob come home and prays that he goes into the house. Leland turns and stares in her direction before going inside. James James pulls up in his motorcycle. Sh- Very secretly. Yeah, James pulls up <laughs> on his motorcycle shortly afterwards. Yeah. Uh. I, I, I honestly, I think this is another one where this would have hurt the the fire walk with me story. What? Just Donnie will not stop making random noises. She's oh, just she's like a toddler just walking around like. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> She was just whining, just standing, staring at yeah. the trash can, whining. Well, oh, my life is so hard. <laughs> Big dumb um, dog. No, I I think this would have hurt Firewalk with me in that I love the way Firewalk with me breaks down now, which was she's gets like you see her getting in getting her like uh garters on and everything Uh she's ready to go out and then you see her hop on the bike you Mm -hmm. don't see how she gets down there but you see her hop on the bike and drive away and then out of nowhere you see um leland 
pull the shades back or whatever mm-hmm. and peek out that he knows what's going on and mm-hmm. he sees it. And it's like, oh, fuck, he's awake. Yeah, he's yeah, there. Yeah. He's yeah. whatever. Instead of this, like, you just watched him walk in the front door and then he looks at that reveal of him looking out. Mm-hmm. It's, it's is more sinister. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's, it's much more sinister and when you see that it's a surprise that he's there right. rather than you've established that he's there. Right. Although the, the interaction is great of like, is he, can he see me? Mm-hmm. And he's staring mm-hmm. in the general vicinity is great. But that also feels like basically the exact same scene is the first time she exactly. realizes that Leland is Bob. Except for, but, but then that's what might be nice about. And what I bet they were probably going for is the opposite of this is kind of a mirror image of, of that scene that you're talking about where Mm. she sees him coming out of the house. Oh, sure. Where it's Laura being innocent, naive, and sweet, that that version of Laura. Mm -hmm. And then she sees her dad come out, and he's chipper, and he's kind of skipping down the stairs and Mm -hmm. pops in his car. And then this is dark Laura. Mm -hmm. She's ready to do some bad shit. He's coming in and he's clearly sinister Leland. And it's kind of like the reverse, like doppelganger Mm -hmm. version of that scene. Yeah. And he's going into the house instead of coming out. She is, you know what I mean? Like it's kind of the opposite of that scene, which is probably what they were going for to some extent. Sure. But I think it inevitably, it would have hurt Firewalk with me if it was in there. Right. Uh, distant screams at her cabin the, long la- the log lady listens to Laura and Renat screams with sadness as she mentions in episode 5 would have loved this mm-hmm. would have loved this to have so been sad. in her. yeah and Catherine's such an interesting character yeah. I just I, I think like she as with Sarah Palmer as with Leland Palmer just like the more the better honestly you could have like as much as I love that little monologue she gives her outside the bar of mm-hmm. the you know once the fire like this mm-hmm. burns, you can't put it out or whatever. Mm-hmm. I almost would have liked this moment to be the only moment she's in there. Mm. Like, of just this, like, sure. I, I know. I, but I I don't see why you would have taken this out. Right. It's... Uh, yeah, it's very I don't see how it would have put it... Ruined pacing. I think I think this could have been... Yeah, I think so, too. Very, think very well been. put back in and would have enhanced. I think... She's too much a central part of the Twin mm-hmm. Peaks mythology to leave this yeah, bit out. Yeah, I agree. Um, last one before the epilogue, Lonesome Foghorn Blows. Laura's body floats below the rock on the shore in front of the Packard estate a few hours before Pat- Pete will find her. A similar shot appears in the final cut, although his version takes place while the sun is rising as opposed to the dark of night. Yeah. You know, I don't think this was... Yeah, it's, this is just a shot. Yeah. And you see what you do see in the final cut and in this scene, which is nice, is less that the body washed up on shore and more that the body was still floating and the tide wore away. Because the body is in the same place, but the tide rolled back in because she's still like bumping up against that log. That that giant log. Makes sense. And so you see why she ended up, you know, eight or ten feet off the water and on the shore. Right. Is because the tide rolled back. Right. And and that I think is a cool little because mm-hmm. the water's butting up against yeah. that big log. Yeah. All right. The epilogue. Um 
some months later. Um, so this picks up after the end of season series. two. Yeah, after yeah the, for the original um, series, yeah. Annie is rescued from the Black Lodge and is brought into the hospital by Sheriff Truman. She's unresponsive. Her face is bloodied. She's wearing Caroline's dress on the stretcher, whereas um, in episode 29, she's wearing black upon exiting the Black Lodge, which I really like that she's wearing that dress. Mm-hmm. Um, still in the Black Lodge, Cooper encounters the man from another place. They repeat their earlier interaction, but this time the ring is nowhere to be seen. Cooper asks the man where the ring is. The man replies that, quote, someone else has it now. Cooper realizes to his horror that it's Annie. He then asks how he can leave the Black Lodge. The man replies that there is no place to go but home and begins to cackle and dance as tears form in Cooper's eyes. Annie's being tended to by registered nurse B. Roundtree and suddenly delivers her message to Laura, although she does not appear to be aware of her surroundings. I don't think I ever picked up her name. B. Roundtree? Is that... Just... And it's B period, like the initial B. But Roundtree is... Glastonbury Grove is a circle of trees. Oh, That's where the gateway is to... I get it, I get it. Like, I would argue most trees are round. Well, but like it's a circle I of know. trees. I just yeah. doing a fun bit about how trees yeah. are round. You know, like a trunk of a tree. Mm. Circular. Mm-hmm. Explain it to me. Well, I know we have ones in Aurora that are rectangular. Um, but that's not a normal tree. I'm done with this bit. I hate it. No, stop it. <laughs> okay. Don't stop it. Um, she suddenly delivers her message to Laura, although she does not appear to be aware of her surroundings. The nurse selfishly steals the ring. Okay, well, that's a little editorializing, bud. She does do like the the thing that I've never done, which maybe I should do more when people get women get rings. They like brush their hair back and like admire it, <laughs> like really coy. Which my hair is always in a ponytail, so that explains why I don't do that. Meanwhile, at the hotel, Doc Hayward, Sheriff Truman, here, Cooper slash Bob. Daddy, you can't just stick your nose in my butt. I'm doing a podcast. I lost my spot. Meanwhile, at the hotel, uh, Doc Hayward and Sheriff Truman, here, Cooper slash Bob, hit his head against the mirror and rushed to check on him. The doppelganger, still cackling, how's Annie, hears them and quickly lies on the floor. They come in and help him up. The doppelganger claims he struck his head against the mirror and it struck him as funny. When Truman tries to tell him they should go to the hospital, the doppelganger replies, but I haven't finished brushing my teeth yet. That's great. Um, That was part of a longer sequence in the original filming. Mm -hmm. So that, that whole ending of... The original series was a longer take. Um, but things I like is, like you said, the dress that mm-hmm. Annie slash Caroline is wearing. And the fact that that is the dress that she's wearing when she's laying in the bed in Laura's dream. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she's in the exact same position. Like you think she's looking at the nurse initially in this scene yeah but she you realize shortly kind of the the nurse shifts and stuff that she's in the exact same position she's in when she's laying in laura's bed right. so that's where she is mm-hmm. uh, metaphysically i guess or whatever something sure that's where she thinks she is I guess. yeah and so this laura and annie are sharing this moment in dreamland mm-hmm. um i I think this would have been a good bit. I don't know why you needed Annie to be wearing the ring. 
and more importantly why this other rando steals it with like this setup like you were gonna have like this spin-off story with the round tree fucking nurse right you know what i mean like the way she like looks at it is like ha 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 twin peaks firewalk with me part two the story of this nurse <laughs> continues it, yeah it's bizarre yeah i don't i don't love that if you wanted to have her wearing the ring cool we don't thoroughly understand what the ring means or represents yet so you don't have to give it to somebody right i don't that's strange i like that I like that you get a little bit after, like, most of this movie is before Twin Peaks, mm-hmm. but I like that you get a little bit of attack on to the end. Right. Some resolution, sort of. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that you get a more sinister Cooper in the bathroom of the Great Northern. Right. I, I like all that. I don't know. I... Agree. No, I, I liked that they, I liked that they sort of put a cap on the end of season two without mm-hmm. resolving it too much. Yeah. Because I think the unresolved ending is one of the things that's so like sure. iconic about. But the the problem with having if they use this as some kind of epilogue or ending to Fire Walk with Me mm-hmm. is that the ending, the ending as it is now is Laura's ending. And, and Fire Walk With Me is Laura's story. You put this on. Like, I agree. Twin Peaks as a series was Cooper's story. Okay. More or less. Or he's at least, like, it's Laura's story and she's the catalyst and everything. For sure. But you get Cooper's, ver- like, point of view for the most part. Right. So it ending with Cooper makes sense. If you ended Fire Walk with me with Cooper, yeah. wouldn't have made sense. Wouldn't have made any sense. I think it. I mean, you do end with Cooper, but you end with Cooper and his relationship to Laura. I think be, they're all they're both in the red room, and she sees the angel. Oh yeah, and yeah, yeah. Yes, 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 And he's got his hand on her shoulder or whatever. Right. So I think that is important mm-hmm. to end with Laura. And I like. I honestly, I think. The story of Twin Peaks is kicked off with Laura. Mm-hmm. Cooper takes the reins and gives you everything we know that's Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. And then Fire Walk With Me ends with Cooper and Laura together. Yeah. And I think that's a beautiful ending mm-hmm. it's for nice this whole circle. story, especially since we're not going to get anything for another 25 years or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but if you had gone with this missing pieces, if this was supposed to be an actual epilogue, at the end of Fire Walk With Me. I don't know when this would have taken place. It seems like it was meant for the series and not for Fire Walk right. With Me, it's, but I don't know. It's strange. Because it, like, this is the first time we seems... see Heather Graham. Like, yeah. we don't see her at all. I mean, you see her in the dream part, but... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. It's... The whole thing is... I don't know. Like, if there... it seems like there's a lot of bits in this that... Lynch was like, I like this scene. I want to do this thing. Let's film it. Let's shoot it. Let's get it out. We'll figure out what to do with it later. It does feel And like then that. just never found a place to do with it. It does feel like David Lynch wanted to go back and like revisit this a little bit and wanted to like yeah. step into these, I don't know, um, little vignettes or yeah. like step back into these worlds again and then figure it out later. Mm-hmm. Which sort of feels like his jam in general. Yeah. Okay, so um, 
Yeah, unfortunately, we didn't look that hard. It's hard to find the streaming anywhere. Yeah. Um, so hopefully I'll be able to find some clips on YouTube or something. To I imagine. Yeah, I imagine there's a lot of clips on YouTube. Yeah. Um, maybe not. I mean, they might have missing pieces in, in its entirety on YouTube. I don't know. I guess we could have looked it up for recording, huh? Yeah, but I'm sure there's several scenes. I'm I'm almost certain there's several scenes that are on there. I don't imagine anyone is policing that too hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I th- I think. I think as it stands, I think Missing Pieces is a great compliment to Firewalk With Me. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not one of those people. I'm not, I'm not clamoring for the cutback in version. Like a lot of people are really anxious and I, like, yeah. I want to see the Firewalk With Me with the Missing Pieces. I want to see that happen. I don't. I, I, I like the story of Firewalk with me as it is. Mm-hmm. I like these bits as they are. I think I think it would slow down. I think there's good strong reason why this stuff wasn't in. Mm-hmm. As great as some of it is, yeah, and some of it is great. But if if you were to put it all back in, I don't want it all back in. I just want like all those dining room and those yeah, that's the thing. Sarah Palmer like... scenes in that. That's what I want. Yeah. Well, I'll get you all the rough cut, rough footage cool, for Christmas, Appreciate and it. you can Appreciate cut it. that together. Okay. You're going to give me a bunch of, like, 35 millimeter reels? Uh-huh. Just like, yeah, figure it out, buddy. Yeah. Digitize that shit. <laughs> okay, uh, so that does it. We'll be back next week with the return, right? I guess. Uh, unless there's something you want to do can... in the meantime, I don't... Uh, you would know more than me. I can't... I mean, I assume you're not going to read the like secret history of Twin Peaks and stuff like that. Not between now and next week. I'm reading okay. Lord of the Flies right now. Oh, all right. Um, like secret history of Twin Peaks came out before the return. Yeah. Um, Honestly, here's what I will say. I Is this an excuse for me not reading? Yes. However, I think if we want to continue doing our Twin Peaks podcast for regular people thing, I think it behooves us for I, me to I still agree. have a pretty surface level understanding sure. of what's going on sure and and it's there's debate like david lynch had nothing to do with the secret history of twin peaks it's entirely mark frost um, right but i think yeah you get into like i'm a big star wars fan i've only ever seen the movies you're also and not I, a reader though well i and know you're also but like, not like a... but i also like i haven't seen this second season that just came out but like I thought Mandalorian was boring as shit. Mm-hmm. I'm going to probably hear some flack for that because people seem to love it. I thought it was dumb. Only three people will listen to this. They're not going to be that sure. mad. But and I, even if they are mad, like they're not big enough to form a but like, crew to come sure. storm our house. But things like that. Like I'm not excited about this like TV world of of Star Wars. And like stuff the expanded like like, universe stuff? Yeah. I liked... Uh, like. I don't. I don't love Solo. Rogue One is okay. Honestly, it, it, it sounds very similar to how I feel about Harry Potter stuff. Sure. Of like, I loved the books. I've read all of the books multiple times. Yeah. Obviously, the shit with J.K. Rowling is complicated. <laughs> but I've seen all the movies. I don't love the movies. Like to me, the books are be- yeah. like heads and shoulders better. And also, like I didn't read the Cursed Child. I didn't like. I don't. I haven't seen any of the yeah. new um, Crimes of Grindelwald. Yeah, but like it, I got my story, 
And that's yeah. the story I like told, and I'm fine with it being and over. And that's that's why I think I was so excited about the return. And I like reading the books, but like because this the whole Twin Peaks world is so abstract, mm-hmm. I'm not worried about like piecing together. Like, oh, well, sure. okay, now this means this, right. or canon now tells me there's no fucking Twin Peaks canon. Right, it's whatever Lynch feels yeah, like at not this even, or, moment. Or Frost, yeah. or, like, Secret History of Twin Peaks had nothing to do with David Lynch. Right. And it's all Mark Frost, but sure, take it or don't, or whatever. It's I just enjoy these characters and things, mm-hmm. and I want to read that. It's not, like, I just, I don't know, I felt like there was something else I was about to say, and I don't remember what it is okay well that sounds like a good place to end it then if you <laughs> if you've forgotten lost your train of thought no i'm kidding what do you i don't know no pressure i but... feel like it was something to do oh like i was what i was saying about like canon is apparently in some marvel what? um uh i don't know if it was a comic or a book or what but star lord from guardians of the galaxy is now a bisexual character. Yeah. Which I feel like isn't more than anything a big fuck you to Chris Pratt. I hope so. But I think that's whole that whole thing is funny and it of of the idea of like, well, Chris Pratt is anti that. Yeah. And so that's fun. Or but we like would say also, he belongs to a church that's anti that. We don't know his thing. But, but like he knows what he's doing. Exactly. And he's donated money to shit that stops shit. Yeah. Like he's I refuse to let real Chris Pratt ruin Andy Dwyer for me. So I like to think of them as different people. Yeah. Um, but the point being, like, I that doesn't change how I'm going to view fucking Guardians of the Galaxy. No. no you know no, what I mean? Because not. I heard this piece of information. Right. The same way Chris Pratt is doing the same thing. This doesn't change how I fucking played the character. Right. You know what I mean? Not, like, learning things after the fact is a weird thing in canon. So I feel like if we just watch the show, cool, in 18 weeks when we finish season three, mm-hmm. then we'll figure out what we do from here. If you want to go in and if you're curious to watch Lynch's movies, if we watch, yeah, you know, Eraserhead, Blue Velvet, all those things, cool. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll watch um, Storyville, which is a Mark Frost movie, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond that, because that's also, it's significantly easier to watch an episode or watch a movie than record rather than like, here, read this fucking book. Sure. And then record, you yeah. know. Um, but at, once we get through those movies, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe by that time, quarantine will be fucking over. <laughs> LOL. <sighs> All right. Well, Michael, any last words before my laptop dies? I just want to know what kind of world we live in where we killed a guy for baby powder or for fucking baby laxative. See you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Cooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people, hosted by Michael Greif and me, Jessica Blumke Greif. Our podcast logo is by Foraker Creative. You can follow them at Foraker Creative. Our theme music is by Brad Chactus. You can always email us at cooperduperpod at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes and leave us a positive review and tell a friend. We'll see you next week.